0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. I'm Hillary Georgie, and I'm here again with Nathan Makaborski. Hello. And John Schwartz. Hey there. So, the June issue of Yankees Magazine came out this week, and Nathan, you wrote the cover story, and it is quite the cover. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it?
0: Yeah, I think we're all uh, pretty happy with the way it turned out. Nice looking cover. Um, you know, kind of an interesting one in that, you know, we don't often see uh, a guy on the cover who's not necessarily in the starting lineup, but we have Ronald Torres, along with, of course, Aaron Judge, who's been quite literally and figuratively the biggest story in baseball so far this year so
1: yes indeed uh,
0: you know when we sat down as a staff at the end of April to, to plan out our June issue the Yankees were obviously really playing well and um, you know sometimes what I like to do during the first half of the season is take a look at some of the aspects off the field in terms of like clubhouse chemistry um, and sort of identify some of the ways in which the team's starting to come together and hopefully laying the groundwork for, you know, what could be a, a pretty special season down the road. So but we could have easily written a story just about Aaron Judge. And, you know, I could have talked about his accomplishments so far and putting those into context as far as what other rookies have done in history. But, you know, we wanted to try and do something unique. And um, I actually got to give a little bit of a shout out to my mom for this story, because while mom is a, um, I would call her a pretty casual baseball fan, (laughs) she's really um, locked into this team this year. She loves the 2017 Yankees. Her and a
1: lot of people. I've heard that from many, many people who are like picking up again and really watching every day.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, you know, she does have to go to bed kind of early. She works all day, but she is uh, watching more Yankees baseball than ever before. And she made some comment to me shortly before our last edit meeting just about how much she likes seeing Judge and Torres interact. And you know, whether it's high fiving in the dugout or you know, whatever along those lines. Um, and I was like, hmm, that, that might be a fun story to pursue. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
1: yes, you know, it was.
0: Obviously, we all love seeing the pictures of those two guys standing next to each other, but um, you know, basically, what I tried to do with this story was just sort of shine a light on on these two guys, um, from sort of a, a personality perspective and, and see what you know they bring to the team in terms of just adding to the com- camaraderie down there
1: like you said teresus isn't necessarily always in the starting lineup but he's a huge part of this team and he he played a really big role in the first month when didi was down and he kind of came in and took over and, and didn't miss a step.
0: Yeah, you know, in talking to a lot of the you know their teammates and their coaches, like, obviously everybody was you know, heaping praise upon Judge for what he's been able to do so far, but Torres really commands the same type of respect in that room because of the way you know, he just goes about his business and what he was able to do while Didi was out the first month. And, you know, those types of things are, are important down the stretch but can fall by the wayside, you know, when we're in – these tight games in September where it's coming down to the wire, people aren't necessarily hearkening back to what happened in April that helped us get into that position. But
2: Those wins count.
0: Yeah, they sure do, and, and Ronald Torres had a lot to do with those.
2: It's funny, when you look at you know the margins of the roster, we could have probably guessed uh, Aaron Judge would make it to the cover pretty soon. But When you go back to last year, I mean, if you look at opening day, who in the world thought that Ronald Torres would, a year and a half later— have been up with the major league team the entire time. Yeah. And that would have been impossible to foresee.
0: Brett Gardner called him one of the most important players on this team because no matter what he's asked to do, he's not only done it well, but he's just, he brings the right attitude every day as well. And I think that's really important for a guy like that who's, he comes to the work every day not knowing whether he's going to be in the starting lineup. And if he is, he, not necessarily knowing where he's going to be playing that night. He just prepares himself every day as if he is the starter and really has gained a lot of you know respect among his teammates for having that kind of work ethic and it's really similar to Ju- judge's approach both guys have a really strong work ethic but i also found that they do also share similar traits and just sort of their philosophy about You know, having fun. Like, this is a kid's game, and they don't forget that. Aaron Judge, for all his accomplishments and and the, you know, attention that he's gained so far this year, he really hasn't seemed to lost perspective at all. And he's just so grateful and, and humble and happy to be out there every day. And so what I tried to do was speak to Aaron about his outlook on those sort of things and share with our audience some of the things that maybe you don't see on TV, you know, the way he interacts with fans during batting practice and that type of thing, to just try and give readers a little better sense of, of what these guys are all about. You know, I always try and slip in some things that some people may know, some people may not, about where these guys are from and what type of players they are and what type of people they are.
2: So help me out here, because I feel like we are just on the right side of Rude (laughs) with uh, (laughs) this photo shoot. And obviously, I mean, the backstory, which you'll get into, like, we're in the clear here. They were both very much on board. But obviously, Ronald Torres and Aaron Judge are... Extraordinarily differently shaped people, um, but I wonder because, like, for me, and I think what I'm finding interesting is, you know, I, I'm I can't take my eyes off this cover because it's funny and it seems like the type of thing that is just totally unique. But when in reality, I mean, you see this stuff in basketball all the time. Um, you see this stuff certainly in football all the time. There's not one size that makes a basketball player. In fact, the one-foot difference between Judge and Torres is fairly common in basketball. What makes this so interesting, a baseball story,
0: would you say? I think just seeing Judge's size alone just draws people in. We're not used to necessarily seeing guys who are six seven, two hundred eighty 280 pounds plus, playing baseball. And... I think what a lot of fans appreciate about him what I certainly enjoy watching is that he's not just a hulking slugger who's up there swinging for the fences and that's it. The guy plays a terrific right field. He's
1: so athletic. He, he can really ma- He can make plays as well as anybody out there.
0: Yeah he's speedy and smart on the base paths really in all aspects of the game. I, I think he's a strong player and you know has a lot of athletic skill. Toreas is a guy who's you know listed at 5.8 is probably more like 5.7 so just pairing these two together it's you know it's an amusing sight and people these guys get it too when we approach them about doing a photo shoot together like they didn't ask why or say what's your angle here like <laughs> they get it they were lined up next to each other and Dylan Batansis was on the other side of them on the baselines during opening day people went wild for it and they understand why and it's funny too because I mean I'm
2: I'm 5'10". I'm around people certainly who are five seven all the time. And yet when I talk to Therese, it feels like, you know, I'm towering over the guy. <laughs> and obviously I'm not usually around six seven people. And when I talk to Aaron Judge, something about it almost still feels more natural in the sense of like, you know, the way I need to hold my recorder up. He's a giant, mm-hmm. but I feel like I'm more used to that level of interaction with a professional athlete than I am with Someone uh, who's about Hillary's height.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Talking to Ronald Reyes for me is wonderful because (laughs) for once I'm like on somebody's actual level and I'm like not craning my neck to like say hello to somebody, which is nice. But I I don't know. Like you said, John, I'm more used to looking up at people and saying like, hey, and asking them questions. And when
2: you're looking up at someone who's 6'4", it's not that different necessarily Mm -hmm. from 6'7". But when (laughs) when I'm looking down eye level at somebody, it's fairly
0: unique. Well, you know, the way it all came about, and actually, when we approached these guys, like I said, about doing the photo shoot together, neither one batted an eyelash. And really, just spending that... Those few minutes together, walking around Yankee Stadium was really kind of eye-opening as well, and I include a lot of that in the story. Just seeing the way Judge interacts with the workers around the stadium and the way the two guys interacted with each other. And then the photos that we got that day, we posted a couple of them on social media. Had a bit
1: of a viral moment for us, didn't we? For us, yeah,
0: we did.
2: So I wasn't in the office this day.
1: It all came together very quickly. I remember, like, we didn't really know that it was happening until that day.
0: No, it was all very kind of last minute and just before the team left for a road trip. So if we didn't get it that day, I don't know what we were going to do. But I'm out of the
2: office, and all of a sudden my phone, which I don't even notice necessarily usually notifications coming through from the Yanks Magazine, at Yanks Magazine At Yanks
1: Magazine, follow us, please.
2: And all of a sudden, it was as though my phone was broken because it was just a consistent <laughs> buzz. And, and my family is looking at me and they're like, What is happening? Like, what are your friends going crazy about? And I finally like, just checked it. And it turned out that the entire world was cracking up over our photo shoot. So,
0: yeah, it, it went really well. And the funniest part was like, as we were kind of wrapping it up, because we went up to the, uh, the Master Pass batter's eye deck in center field to photograph Judge and Torres together with Yankee Stadium in the background. But as we were walking back down to center field, we just happened to pass by this little sign that said no borrowing uniforms. It was outside one of the areas where the game day employees get ready. And we kind of looked at each other and thought, man, this would be a pretty funny photo to get Judge and Tires, like <laughs> standing next to each other. And so we kind of ran it by Aaron and Ronald, and we're like, I know, we know you're running out of time here. You got to go get ready for a game tonight. But, you know, there's this sign over there. It says, no borrowing uniforms. Would you guys be willing to do one more shot in front of it? We think it'd be really funny. And, you know, Aaron doesn't really say anything. He just kind of looks down. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, great. I just <laughs> I just ruined it. Like, I pushed too far. You
1: finally He's... upset the guy who doesn't get upset.
0: Yeah, seriously. He was Like, they were both just so great all afternoon, and I was thought i blew it and he's like well it's okay but it would be a lot funnier if we actually did swap jerseys (laughs) we're like okay yeah let's do that (laughs) so him and uh him and ron they were just such great sports about the whole thing they went back to the sign and they helped each other trade uniforms um which was a sight to behold
1: i'll never forget standing there and they're like buttoning up each other's uniforms and just like workers are walking by like what is happening here and they and they're so nice they're just like saying hey how's it going and they're just putting each other's uniform on Ronald Torres is down to his ankles yeah (laughs) but it was it was funny
0: to to John's point you know I didn't (laughs) we didn't want this to be just like a gag it wasn't just like oh look at this funny picture these two guys we wanted to go a little in depth with the story and find out what these guys think of each other what sort of bond they've been able to form in the time that they've been together, what they bring to the team, how their teammates and coaches feel about them. And, you know, I think to me, I I came away with the feeling like, wow, both of these guys really love baseball. Like, they care deeply about the game, which is really cool to see because, I mean, Aaron Judge is 25 years old. Ronald Torres is 24. Yet they're both thinking about getting kids into baseball and growing the game, despite the fact that they have very different skill sets, very different physiques, and very they come from very different backgrounds. You know, Torres is from a tiny town in Venezuela, and Aaron Judge is from Northern California. But they both share some pretty important common traits, particularly in how they feel about the game and how they approach their game. So thanks, Mom, for the story idea. <laughs> Hopefully she reads this one. Everybody
1: <laughs> check it out. It's in the June issue. It's called Not So Odd Couple, and it's, it's worth it for... For the story and for the pictures. It's a great cover story, Nate. You did an awesome job.
0: Thanks. And that'll be on sale throughout the month, but on June twenty fifth, Old Timers Day, we have a separate commemorative cover for that day that I'm also really, really excited about. We have a great photo of Ron Guidry and Whitey Ford from Old Timers Day twenty eleven that we just kinda had in our archive. We haven't really been able to share it yet. And it's just a beautiful picture. I I'm just so thrilled to be able to put those two guys on our cover. I think Fans who are here that day are really going to love that too.
1: Yeah, so pick that up. That's June 25th, Old Timers Day. And coming up on this episode of the podcast, we've got an interview I did with the real Megan Levy. I say real because this week the movie called Megan Levy premiered here at Yankee Stadium at an event hosted by Memorial Sloan Kettering. The real Megan currently works here at the stadium, and she's got a great story I think you're really going to enjoy. So stick around, it's going to be awesome. On June 5th, Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center hosted the premiere of the movie Megan Levy at Yankee Stadium. It's the story of a Marine whose canine service dog Rex saved her life while they were on deployment and how Megan worked to adopt Rex when they were both out of the service. The movie is based on the story of the real Megan Levy, who currently works at Yankee Stadium as an account executive in partnership sales.
3: Now I actually work for the New York Yankees, which is so cool to say.
1: Megan and I sat down a few days prior to the movie's premiere and she told me her true story about joining the Marines, being partnered with Rex, the fight to get Rex home with her, and the months they spent together.
3: After four years of fighting for this and waiting for this, Mm -hmm. I just wanted to spend time with my dog finally when he was back.
1: When Megan finally adopted Rex, the Yankees held a special ceremony for the two of them on the field, and her connections to the team continued to grow from there. While Megan just started working in the front office this season, she's spent a number of years working at the stadium with her chocolate lab, Patriot, as part of the stadium's security detail.
3: It's so funny because when you work with dogs, I feel like everybody remembers the dog. They never remember the handler.
1: In our chat, Megan and I talked about her time in the service and the many interesting turns her life has taken. Here's some of that conversation. First of all, thank you for your service, obviously. Thank you. My That's pleasure. an incredible thing that you do. So tell me, when did you enlist and what led you to that decision?
3: Sure. I uh, enlisted in the Marine Corps in 2003. So I served from 2003 until 2007. I tried to go to college, you know, right after high school. Like, I think the plan is for everybody. It's just kind of what you're supposed right. to do. I didn't really know quite what I wanted to do and it was my first time away from home in college and I graduated 2001, okay. so as you can imagine what comes to mind is September 11th, 2001 right. Right. happened just about a month into me being away for the first time and that really had a deep impact mm-hmm. on me. I also, like I said, didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do in college and after that happened, it really just made me think that... There's a bigger picture than just going to classes and being from New York. My father works in the city every day. It just really hit close to home, and I wanted to do something about that. I also played sports growing up, so softball was like my main sport. And I think a lot of the traits, if you think of in sports, like teamwork, hard work, working together to – achieve a goal having each other's back I think a lot of those traits you can cross over when you think about military service for sure
1: yeah so how did you get teamed up with Rex what's the story behind that
3: the story behind me getting teamed up with Rex is basically luck of the draw I will say Mm -hmm. when I was stationed at Camp Pendleton after I went through military police school canine school that was the duty station that I ended up at.
1: How long does that take, all that training?
3: So boot camp (laughs) is three months long. After boot camp, you go to marine combat training, which is about another month or so long. From there, I went to military police school, which is essentially like a police academy, which was probably another two to three months. And I had to finish in the top of my class and actually go on a board, which is You go in front of your superior Marines and they ask questions, they inspect your uniform, and you have to get chosen to go to canine school. So it's not just like you, oh, I want to go. So I worked really, really hard to finish in the top percentage of my class and then was selected, luckily, on the board to go. Canine school is another three months, and then you finally get to where you're going to be stationed. And I actually did not have a dog for... Probably the first six months or so that I was stationed at Camp Pendleton because there was more Marines than dogs that were available. Okay. So I was paired up with Rex. It just so happened to be that the handler before him was getting out of the Marine Corps and he was the first dog that was going to be available for me to work. So even though I didn't have a dog, I would still reports of the kennels and watch them train. I was in that bite suit all the time being the low man on the totem pole. That's like the job that you get assigned, especially when you don't have a dog of right. your own to take care of. So well, a lot of the first times that I met Rex or we had an encounter, I was usually on the other end of oh my God. him biting me it's one way to form a bond I guess no no it's not (laughs) but but I will say he was one of the best working dogs that we had at the kennels so being a newer handler getting paired up with this dog that had already been on a deployment and was a very good working dog was it was like big shoes to fill for me to have him And the U.S. military has been using dogs
1: for a long time, right? For a long
3: time. but So my first deployment was in 2005, and I think the deployment before mine was one of the main deployments where we really started utilizing the dogs because the way that the enemy was fighting us was the IEDs. Mm That became a big thing, I think, in two thousand and three, two thousand and four. So the deployment before me, when they when they came back, and even on my first deployment, it was you kind of had to speak up and tell other units that we would attach to how they can utilize us because people weren't quite familiar with the program. Oh, really? At that time. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow, mm-hmm.
1: that's so like you were kind of paving the way for what these dogs and what you guys could do together. That's very right. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Have you always been a dog lover? Always. Okay. I
3: don't think there's ever been a time in my life that I have not had pets. Okay. Dogs, cat, a dog in general. Now still I have a chocolate lab named Patriot that I used awesome. to work with, with MSA that works here at, this was one of our contracts I worked here. Oh really? Before I actually worked here now. <laughs> I worked here with Patriot, my working dog. Yeah, I had
1: no idea. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Yeah. So what kind of work did you and Rex specifically do together when you were deployed?
3: Rex was an attack dog slash uh, explosive detection dog so he was trained to attack which was nice for me because you know it's just nice feeling protected like that he had that capability but our main mission out there was to search for explosives weapons caches things like that
1: and he was with you 24 7 24 7 okay well, yes talk to me about the bond you form with them, and, and how does it compare if you can mm-hmm. To how you bonded with your fellow soldiers?
3: So, the canine community is a very small community. Mm-hmm. So, I think as handlers, we are together a lot. So, and we also, we all have our dogs. So, we all kind of understand that. So, I am still to this day close with a lot of my fellow canine handlers. A lot of the Marines are flying in from different states that they live in to come and see this movie. And the premiere, which I'm really excited about. When I did adopt Rex, when we had the ceremony at Camp Pendleton, his official retirement ceremony, so many of my former bosses and friends that I did not know were coming, like they, they surprised me. I didn't know that they were going to be at that ceremony. That's so so cool. that really meant a lot because I feel like they, especially being handlers themselves, understand it. So I'm an only child and I feel like the Marine Corps gave me an extended family, like a bunch of brothers and sisters. So I, I love that. Right. And with Rex, I think when I first was assigned to him, we certified as a dog team. And then within four months max, we were deployed to Fallujah for the first time. So I think our first deployment is kind of where we really did our bonding. Because like I said, we were together 24-7. And I knew we have a really important job to do. And... He had already been deployed once, but he can't talk. He's a dog. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I just know everything runs down leash. So even if I was scared or nervous, like I had to pre- pretend like I know exactly what I'm doing. And I, and you have to really trust your dog on that kind of a thing. So you, you have no choice but to become close to one another. And especially if you're having a bad day, you have personal things going on in your life. That was like my one constant was Rex was always there for me. And especially going through things that we went through out there on the battlefield, I couldn't forget that. In the mm-hmm. movie, the dog right. saves your life. That happened in real life, correct? Well, or is it the way kind of that different? I kind of put it when people ask me that question is I think not just Rex, I think all of the military working dogs, when they go out there, you know, you could go out on five missions a week and only maybe. Have your dog respond to something on one of those missions. But I also feel like every time we go out with different units, those dogs are saving lives whether they find something or not because whether people realize it, people are seeing us. It's a physical deterrent just to see a dog out in the front lines. And that's why we were also a huge target is because people were realizing, wow, these dogs are messing up our plan. By finding these explosives that we're burying, by finding these weapons that we're hiding in fields, we became... A target because the dogs were such a good asset. So when people ask, did Rex save my life that one time? <laughs> I think Rex saved my life probably many a times and not just mine, a lot of other people that were depending on us. So tell me
1: about when you came back, when you got discharged. Rex was still working, right?
3: Right. Uh, my, my first deployment was to Fallujah in 2005. My second deployment was to Ramadi in 2006. Okay. I was getting out of the Marine Corps in 2007 that was when my enlistment was regardless. Up, regardless, okay. Right. Um, after we had gotten hurt together, when I came back to the states, I only had a few months left at active duty, unless I was going to reenlist. And Rex and I both spent that time doing physical therapy together. And because of his injuries and everything that happened, he was deemed not deployable. So he never deployed again after our second after oh, okay. our second deployment when he got hurt. Okay so he was still able to work on base doing regular kind of police work like you would see a dog handler in new york city yeah um they check you know vehicles at entrances they do health and comforts they search the barracks and just regular patrol jobs like a regular police officer would do he was able to do that but they just didn't want to send him back on a deployment because of that reason and he was only six years old these dogs cost a lot of money they spend a lot of time training them so I totally understood why he couldn't just get out at the same time as me I get that but at the same time our main deployment I mean our main mission at that period of time was to deploy so he went through 11 different handlers after I got out because they all had their main dog they were deploying with so he was kind of like their secondary dog that they were maintaining to use on base. So nobody really bonded with him like I had. And plus he kind of had an attitude. So I don't, they didn't, <laughs> it's not like a little nice dog that you just meet once and you're like, right. oh, pet me. Yeah, exactly. It takes a little bit of time. So I don't think they had the time slash whatever to put into that him <laughs> <laughs> so what
1: were the obstacles you had to overcome to
3: eventually get rex home with you i know before i got out in his records dogs have records just like people do he was deemed unadoptable officially in his oh, records really? yes because there's a lot of different channels and there's a lot of different people that have to approve a dog's adoption which totally is necessary i'm not saying it's not at all but rex also was an attack dog just like other attack dogs but he was extra aggressive at the vet he like i said bonded with me but he wasn't always like that with every other person so that's why in his prime he was deemed unadoptable because the people especially at the vet saw how he was and they were like we don't think it would be safe to have him home he wouldn't adjust right that makes sense but coming from me living with him 24-7 I see him in a different way he did fine after Mm -hmm. I ended up adopting him but the whole thing was is because that was in his records I waited four years or he was 10 at the time he turned 11 right as he retired his birthday is April 1st his retirement ceremony was April 6, 2012. So, and I, I think over the years, he kind of calmed down, as animals do. So I got a phone call from some, one of my friends that still works at the kennels and said, listen, Rex, he had a seizure. He was just having a lot more medical problems in his old age, neurologically, which is affecting his ability to work, even stateside. So if the dog is not going to be able to work in general, they're not needed anymore by the Marine Corps. And because of what it had said in his medical records, my friend just gave me the heads up like, listen, I want to let you know if you're going to try and do something drastic, do it now. Because if not, he could be put to sleep oh because he's unable to work and he's older any day. It's, it's, it's out of my control. So I don't want to see that happen. So how did you fight
1: who helped you and how did you ultimately succeed in, in getting Rex adopted?
3: Well, first, of course, I was like (laughs) crying and hysterical when I got that phone call. I'm so happy I got that phone call because I would have never known. But the first person that I thought to go to was a man named Jerry Denellen. who he's like the go-to guy in the offices. He's helped me personally. Any questions, that's the guy to go to. So I, I called him. I set up an appointment. I went up to his office and I just spilled my guts to him. So... He was like, wow, this is a very unique story. This is a first for me. And that's mm-hmm. hard because there's not a lot of firsts. I've <laughs> kind of heard it all. He's worked his, in Rockland County, you know, beating the ve- veteran's advocate for a very long time. Yeah. And he's a wounded veteran himself, so he knows where I'm coming from. So he happened to have a contact in Senator Schumer's office, and he said, why don't we put a packet together? I'll reach out to the contact I know maybe he can at least get this out in the press and people can get behind the story and that's exactly what happened a couple days i was on a flight to california yeah the press release went out in the paper which i didn't even know the press release was coming out wow i was at work and then all of a sudden my phone started ringing with all these weird numbers and it was reporters from (laughs) the daily news the new york post the rockland county journal news and i just was like oh my god this is out there now So I was really caught off guard, but at the same time, I was super excited slash nervous slash, (laughs) oh my God, this is happening. Um, And I also had made it very clear, this is nothing against the Marine Corps. I love the Marine Corps. It's probably the best decision I ever made in my life. So I didn't want this story going to the press being like me versus the Marine Corps because that's not how it was at all. I just wanted my dog back. And... I talked to people in the Marines that I still knew, and they they got it. They understood where I was coming from, so they ended up approving it. And it was approved conditionally that I was going to be the only one that was able to adopt him. Take me through the moment that you guys actually reunited. Keep in mind, I got out in 2007. I had been back to California to visit some friends that were still in the Marines. And when I went there, they would let me go visit him which was hard because it's like I see him and then I have to leave right in a day you know so essentially it had been probably around four years since I'd really been with him and able to spend time with him so that's a long time so I was first of all nervous is he gonna remember me like is he going to be really really sick like that's hard to write to kind of come to terms with so everybody was outside waiting for the ceremony to happen. It wasn't a private meeting when I first saw him for the first time. Oh, really? It was public? No, I pulled, po- well, the, the ceremony was going to be public at the kennels, but I okay. wasn't sure if everybody was going to already be there or if I was going to get there and they were going to let me see him, you know, Prior. in privately yeah. at first and kind of get ready for the ceremony. Nope. Pulled up in a car. <laughs> there was press, cameras, Marines I hadn't seen in forever, Marines that were going to be in the formation with their dogs, my old kennel master holding him. So when I got out of the car, everybody was watching our first interaction together which is which was great because i immediately just started crying he sniffed me started wagging his tail getting super excited (laughs) took the leash back and it was really like no time had passed like wow like okay here we are again it was really emotional that's awesome i cried through the whole ceremony and rex in in rex fashion barked through the whole (laughs) ceremony i'm not kidding really because they read a warrant they read all of rex's accomplishments and he just barked the whole time barked through the whole entire thing that's amazing over the person that was, <laughs> he was like no no that's <laughs> enough <laughs>
1: yeah yeah please stop <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah so you had him for eight months right? eight months yeah what were those months like so cool home. well first
3: I was nervous as well because I had to move out of my apartment and move back in with my father because he actually had a yard and a house okay. and I had like I said my working dog patriot chocolate lab yeah So in my apartment that I was renting at the time, I couldn't have two big dogs. Like, it wasn't allowed there. So my father was kind enough to let me move back in with him while I was having Rex, And he has a dog as well, a Shiba Inu named Rocky. Oh, good. And I have two cats. (laughs) Oh. So those were all factors that, of course, I put on paper. Like, everything had to get approved, like, before I got him. And I just was nervous in introducing him to everybody he'd never been dog aggressive or anything like that so I was hoping that everybody was just gonna be cool with each other I know yeah. it's an adjustment like Patriot my chocolate lab was super jealous at first like you would have <laughs> thought that I was throwing her out every time oh I would God. pet him she would come in and get in there and really yeah but they also played together a lot like everybody was friends they they liked it I think it almost kept Rex younger he swam in the pool with them my my father is an in-ground pool and he has a nice fencing yard I would throw the ball and they would chase after the ball with each other everybody got along well I, rex had never i don't think seen like cats before when they're living in the states they live in a kennel facility they wow. don't live so they in a home or
1: yeah they right. don't
3: know anything else sure i mean and especially when we were in iraq there's a lot of farm animals and stray dogs and things like that but rex had never been introduced to like a domestic cat <laughs> or seen a deer
1: so <laughs> yeah,
3: th- that would be new. Or smelled cooking in the kitchen, like oh things. There's a lot of things to think about that he had never right. Just everyday things nobody
1: thinks about. Sure. That. So
3: cooking. Oh man, he was in the kitchen, <laughs> in the mix. Drew, like, what is this? Like people food because right. they're not used to that. But with my cats, I remember he approached them for the first time, and my one cat jumped down, puffed up, <laughs> and he was like, okay. And they all coexisted <laughs> together. There was never any fighting. Thank God they all got along great. So at what point did somebody approach you and say, let's make a movie about this? They, There was a lot of people that had approached me to make a movie about this, especially when the story came out in the press about, am I going to get him? Then I finally got him, and every there were a lot of people approached me and were like, this is a great human interest story. Like, This would be great for people to hear. But at the time when I got him back, I even took a leave of absence from my job just so I could spend time with him because like, I knew he – Like I said, was retiring for a reason. He's older. He was sick. He wasn't completely healthy. He was healthy enough that every day it wasn't painful. Like, I didn't have to force him to eat or help him down the stairs. He was healthy enough to live a comfortable life Mm -hmm. in the last eight months that I had with him. Yeah. And I was very lucky because when I did have to put him to sleep, it was an overnight thing very quick and sudden so he I didn't have to see him suffer for months and months or weeks at a time like I'm so grateful for that but so people had approached me when it first came out in the press and like I said I took a leave from my job I just all I really wanted to do was after four years of fighting for this and waiting for this and going through depression because of this Mm -hmm. i just wanted to spend time with my dog finally when he was back so i don't think i was really open to the idea of it until after he passed away and of course when he passed away that was in the in the press as well and a lot of people were reaching out with their condolences which was very nice and people were still reaching out like you know what do you think that you would still be interested in doing something now and my thought process was kind of like you know what Why don't I just go see what it's all about, especially if somebody was in my shoes, if I could make this process easier somehow for somebody other than myself? Like, why not? I'll just see what it's all about. And I think, I hope that that's what people take away from this whole thing.
1: How involved were you in the production?
3: Well, this film has been being made let's see what was I saying 2012 what is it 2017 now yeah. so you do the math <laughs> over five years it's a long is, time right so there's times where I thought no oh, this is never happening I really I talked to a lot of different writers told them my stories had them meet my friends my family my marine co-workers I went out to California with one of the writers showed her around the kennel facilities told them my stories and of course it's based on right. my story so Hollywood's allowed to when they do a based on a true story take their creative liberties in making a movie. Mm-hmm. So it's not a documentary, of course. And I think that's that's kind of a hard thing to come to terms with when it's about you.
1: Uh-huh. But I
3: think having that five years to have this process go on was good for me because I'm okay with that. Right, and I a think, little more separation. Yeah, now. and I think that they. Did a good job in making this movie, and I think people will be entertained. I think the the bond between me and Rex and the emotion behind it they capture in the movie, so I'm happy about that. How surreal is it, I guess, to have... Kate
1: Mara playing you and just like having a movie named sure it's, it's called Megan Levy yeah that's her name. So yeah
3: how surreal is that I'll be honest like I said <laughs> it's it's been over five years so I kind of think it was something that I couldn't think of every day I would drive myself crazy yes. if I focused on it every day looking up new things you know the the progress and this and that and the the other thing like like I said I told I told them my story they added their creative input into it I wasn't extra I got to do a cameo scene (laughs) I I went down to South Carolina for two or three days when they were filming there so I got to do a cameo scene well that's pretty cool yeah but I mean when it comes down to it I wasn't I wasn't on set for. that's the only time I was really that's the only time I was on set (laughs) right exactly they have that's other people have jobs to do that so that's not my job at all I don't know (laughs) I would be lost if I was doing that job but the surrealness probably I think just started to hit me because I was sitting watching TV and it came on TV as a commercial and I was like oh my god that's me (laughs) and I'm like first I'm by myself the first time I ever saw it and I was like oh my gosh and then my friends started sending me videos of the commercial on TV and of course my friends Like I said, I don't think I can follow it so closely in my everyday life. Like, it would just drive me crazy. I also have this job at the Yankees that I'm learning and focusing on. And... My friends totally keep me updated. They're the ones that are <laughs> looking at it every day yeah. to see what's going on, and then they I fill me in. <laughs> that's very healthy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, no, because they're very, they're excited about it too, so. So
1: what is the connection to the Yankees? Because I think the Yankees had a ceremony for you they when he got Rex back, right? It was so, so cool. How did
3: that happen? That happened when the press release went out, when I was trying to get him back. Randy Levine and Mindy Levine, his wife, Randy's the president of yep. the Yankees, they're very into animals, military They saw my story in like the New York Post and they know Rosanna Scotto and they reached out to her and it just so happened that I was going on her show with her and Greg the next morning. Okay. So Rosanna Scotto calls me. (laughs) I'm like, is this my real life? Asking... If it would be okay if I gave my phone number to Randy Levine and Mindy Levine from the Yankees, and growing up I've been a Yankees fan, I was just like, "Is this a prank call?" Like, I'm. <laughs> so they called me, and I, you know, I said to them, "I actually work at the stadium with my dog," and it's so funny because when you work with dogs, I feel like everybody remembers the dog; they never remember the handler. Uh-huh. Like. They know Petrie, but... Right. They, so... That's, and there's a
1: dog named Taylor. Taylor. Snuffed, yes. Isn't there? Taylor <laughs> just
3: left here. But exactly. See? Right. Everybody knows Taylor. They don't yeah. know Kevin, no. but I do. <laughs> exactly. So my point proven. <laughs> uh, they had reached out to me and being like how kind they are, they had offered to help pay for Rex's medical expenses wow. when he got back. And they ended up... Mindy, Randy's wife, ended up flying out with me to California. They rolled out the red carpet for me. They put Rex and I up in a beautiful hotel. They had a brunch for my Marine friends and I. And we became very close because of that over that trip and, like, our love for animals and the military. And after I had gotten Rex back, they had set up the pregame ceremony that they had for me and Rex, which was amazing and my purple heart that I was awarded, the actual like one in the case had gotten stolen when I was on leave. Yeah. Somebody stole it out of my barracks room. That's awful. It is. So at that ceremony, unbeknownst to me, they were giving they were giving me another one. Oh wow. In the case, presenting it to me. Which meant a lot because you know, of course, you know when I wear my uniform, I can go to the uniform store and I can buy one to put on my uniform. But it's just that one in the case, like the display case, the original one that I was given. That's what got stolen. And I think that, like your your reaction was, they were like, "How? That's so wrong." So that was pretty cool. Part of the ceremony was they gave me another medal.
1: And now, so you work at the stadium. Now I work here again, not
3: not with the dogs. You work not with the the dogs. I actually work (laughs) for. (laughs) MSA was a you know contract like they were contracted to work here right but now I actually work for the New York Yankees which is so cool to say what's the job uh I am an account executive in the partnership sales department what does that mean exactly it's a long (laughs) word so but if people come here and they come to the games obviously when they're watching the games they see all sorts of signs throughout the stadium right Delta Hotel Tonight, Geico, right. Audi. So we deal with those partners and giving them, you know, associating them with the Yankees brand to help build their brand. That's pretty cool. Yeah.
1: So what's the
3: best part about working for the Yankees? Saying I work for the Yankees? <laughs> no, I, I just, I think first of all, I, like I said, I've grown up in New York my whole life. I've been a Yankees fan since I'm a little kid. The way that Randy and Mindy had taken care of me. The Yankees had such a great ceremony for me and Rex when we came back. And they show such appreciation for our military every day before games. You know, they honor, they do God Bless America, yep. they honor veterans every game. And just the pride that I feel behind this organization, like the feelings that I've had with my own personal experiences in dealing with the Yankees organization. And now to say that I work for them and I can potentially help work with people to give them that same feeling that's amazing to me
1: and how long were you with MSA doing
3: the uh the dog patrol uh out, at the stadium I right seven years really yeah, wow. yeah right did, so I retired patriot because she was getting a little bit older and and as the dogs get older you know it wears on them to work and yeah. with a job like that if you want to stay working for a company like that they'll issue you a new dog i live in a one-bedroom condo and you know msa works long hours here too so i just didn't feel right leaving either patriot at home or still bringing her to work every day and getting a new dog working long hours so i decided to kind of retire her and let her live a good life after she worked for seven years all over the city And in between the time that I worked with her and worked here, I worked in an animal hospital for two years. Oh, really? So I kind of slowly got used to not bringing a dog to work every day. (laughs) And I still had the option to at the animal hospital. But, um, I mean, Patriot's fine at home now. And I have plenty of help that when I'm working long hours, people check in on her and take care of her so that's not a problem that's
1: finally how excited are you to have the premiere here at Yankee Stadium (laughs) well I know that
3: that's (laughs) never been done before it has not this is a new thing and I just think of all the places this is just so fitting because of everything that's happened with the story and the connections that I have here. And now I like work here. I just think that it couldn't be more fitting. And it's almost like the fairy tale end to this story yeah. is that this is actually happening here now.
1: Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Yankees Magazine podcast. If you liked this episode, please subscribe and review us. Check us out on Twitter. We're at Yanks Magazine. And be sure to pick up a copy of the June issue of Yankees Magazine. I think you're really going to like it. Thanks again. See you soon. Bye, guys.
4: Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best